0: I speak to you in the name of the living God, blessed Trinity, and lover of your souls. Amen. Amen. may be seated. My sister is on her way to my house to see me because she knows I'm having a hard day. I hear my phone ding and her text reads, I'm here. So I make my way downstairs and as I turn the corner through the kitchen... I catch a glimpse of blonde hair whizzing by the front window. My hand opens the door to a flash of blue behind dark eyelashes. According to MIT, this is the zero millisecond mark of face recognition. Light reflects from my sister's eyes and is absorbed by my retina, sending signals down the optic nerve toward a relay center where visual information will be passed on to other parts of my brain. Next, I notice tan skin and loose strands of hair draped over a newly shaping curve of a smile. It's been 40 milliseconds, and that relay center is already beginning to tell me what I'm looking at. I register the shape of her face, bright sapphire eyes, and an underbite which I find adorable. And by now at 50 milliseconds, my visual cortex has registered what I am seeing outside my door. The skin at the edges of her eyes crinkle into little creases at 70 milliseconds. And the structures at the back of my temporal lobe called the face patches tell me that I am looking at a face. And I start to categorize it with my own perceptions of gender or age And at 90 milliseconds, I'm comparing the faces I have known to this face. And now I know it's my sister. So by 400 milliseconds, which is less than half a second, my brain has recruited the frontal, parietal, temporal lobes along with my amygdala and is using memory and emotion to recall information about her. I remember that the mascara that she selected is one she's trying out for her wedding day, and this one really does make her eyes pop. I can smell the hint of baked food on her clothing mixed with perfume. She is an excellent baker, and the smell reminds me of eating cinnamon rolls with her on Christmas morning when we were children. After just one second, since glimpsing her hair through the window, I feel better. I'm so glad that she is here, and our lips have already reached toward each other's cheeks, and our arms are opening for a hug. This is what happens when we see someone we love, face to face. It's something biological, emotional, psychological. The face of a loved one can help make everything okay. That's what research out of the University of Michigan tells us. Seeing the face of a loved one can literally save our lives. It releases all kinds of good hormones and lowers depression and our tendencies toward harmful behaviors. But it doesn't take a research study for you and I to know that seeing the people we love is good for our souls. And it didn't take research for the songwriter to know it thousands of years ago when he wrote today's psalm. Three times he repeats in an antiphon, asking for God's face to shine on him and his people. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. It's hidden in the Hebrew, but show the light of your countenance literally translates... Make your face shine. Make your face shine, O oh God, and we shall be saved. What does he mean? Is he depressed and needs a friend to come over? Well, probably. See, this is a lament psalm. The writer believes that all the help that he needs to get out of his funk is to see the face of God. God. This alone will be enough to support him and his people through their present grief and fear, which is more than a funk. It's connected to the obliteration of their home and nation because this psalm is about the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. And yet this idea that God's face can save us from our darkest days goes much further back for the poet than this moment. Recorded in the book of Numbers, as the people wandered in the wilderness in hope of a promised land, God tells Israel's first priest, Aaron, to bless the people with these words. May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you. May Yahweh raise his face towards you and give you peace. The belief that God's face will bring light and peace to a wandering, struggling people becomes the cry of Israel throughout their history throughout the hebrew scriptures repeated over and over again whenever they need saving modern theologians have coined this the face of god motif it shows up all over the place we find it even in our new testament in familiar passages like the words from the apostle paul when he tells us we see dimly now as though through a mirror but one day we will see love face to face. Jesus speaks too in this motif when he promises in his most famous sermon that the pure in heart are the ones who will see God. Perhaps the motif is so popular because God's face always seems to be hidden, partially veiled when we need to see it most. Veiled even from the greatest leaders in Israel's history, no one had actually ever seen the light of God's face, not even when they'd asked to see it. Moses asked to see God's face, but God only let him see his back as he walked by on the mountaintop. Elijah asked to see God's face, but instead he was offered a whisper in the cleft of the rock. Jacob, now he came closest when at twilight he wrestled with God in a stream, but even he only saw the face of the divine dimly. Restore us, O God. O Lord, God of hosts, show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. This cry for a saving blessing has continued and persisted because it was never really answered. So, when the psalmist cries out for salvation today, it's not just his grief. He's holding the grief and the prayer from all of his ancestors. And I think this is why we get this lectionary text on our final Sunday in Advent in the Psalms. Because we are days away from the incarnation. This is the day. God gets a face. So Joseph's dream in today's gospel, it's no small thing. Do not be afraid, the angel tells him. The Holy Spirit has given you and Mary a child, and God will save the people through him. In the same way that Isaiah prophesied, Jesus is Emmanuel. God is about to be with you, all of you. Face to face. Can you imagine? The long awaited generational prayer has just been answered in a dream the night before Joseph was about to call off his wedding. No wonder he was willing to risk it all to take a chance on this unknown child whom he's to name Yeshua. God saves. God saves in the mat of hair atop a newborn boy's head, in the wrinkled skin around his eyes, and the light reflected in his ruddy cheeks. When Jesus is born, I bet MIT would agree that it will take Joseph less than a second to recognize the God of his ancestors in the face of his newborn babe. Joseph, did you know that your baby boy's back, that you're about to burp, is the same back Moses glimpsed as it passed by on the holy mountain? Did you know that the voice you will hear cooing in your ear is the still small voice Elijah heard in the cleft? The child you will see dimly lit by a Bethlehem star will hold in his face the shadows of the one Jacob wrestled with at the river's edge. Joseph's dream is not just Joseph's dream. It's the dream of an entire people manifested. Joseph's dream is your dream and my dream because it is the dream of anyone who needs to see the face of love and be saved. So if that's you this holiday season if there is a dark gloom or grief or fear or depression that is weighing you down, gather it. Gather it all this week and carry it to the foot of the manger Well, you will find more than Moses or Elijah or Jacob ever did. In the Christ child, you will find the face of God. That's the face that's promised to restore whatever has been lost, to bless Whatever has been cursed by sin, the face of God in Christ will save us. So this year, as we move toward Christmas Day, don't focus on the tree lights or the house lights or even the candle lights. But rather, let them remind you of the light of his countenance. And let it shine on you this holy season. May the face of Christ turn towards you and bless you and give you peace.